everyone out there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Jambase podcast. I'm Andy Kahn, and Jambase is a partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. Coming up is my interview with singer-songwriter Steve Gunn, who has a terrific new album titled Other You that's out now on Matador Records. We'll hear that interview shortly, but first, let's hear about this episode's sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Snug Pups. Snug Pups makes officially licensed Grateful Dead dog coats. Now your dog can be a deadhead too. Use the discount code JAMBASE at checkout for 15% off of your order. All Grateful Dead dog coats are made with super cozy double lined polyester fleece or canvas with fleece lining and feature high stitch count embroidered. Grateful Dead, Steal Your Face, Dancing Bear are the very popular dog face steely patches on each side of the coat. Or choose a donut patterned canvas coat to keep your runaway gym or harpua warm this winter. Snug Pups is a family-run business based in rural Pennsylvania with a mission to make it easy, affordable, and fun for every dog owner to be able to dress their dogs for warmth, comfort, and style. Snug Pups handmade coats fit all dogs of every crazy shape and size with a warm coat that is easy to get on and off your dog. Snug Pups love fitting giant Great Danes and even Mastiffs too. No more wrestling your dog's legs through holes. No more trying to buckle something under your dog's squirming head. Snug Pup's coats are simply over the head and one strap around the middle. It's that easy. Your best friend will be so comfy in this fleece, he or she won't want to wear anything else, and all their dog friends will be so envious. Visit snugpups.net to order your Grateful Dead or donut pattern dog coat today. That's S-N-U-G-P-U-P-S dot net. And enter the discount code JAMBASE when you check out to save 15% off of your coat order. Just moments before I started recording this, Fish announced their return to Madison Square Garden in New York City for a four-show New Year's Eve run. The band will open the run at the Garden on December 29th, followed by concerts on December 30th on New Year's Eve. And since it falls on a Saturday this year, New Year's Day, January 1st, 2022. Before that, Fish Fall Tour 2021 begins on October 15th in Sacramento, California, and ends with a four-night run in Las Vegas, culminating on Halloween night. Those attending Fall Tour and the New Year's run at MSG will need to provide proof of COVID-19 vaccination or a negative test. Today was a busy day for announcements from the Fish Camp, as guitarist Trey Anastasio revealed drummer John Fishman will be joining the Trey Anastasio Band for four shows that are remaining on Tab's current tour. Regular tab drummer Russ Lawton recently tested positive for COVID-19. So Fish will back Trey, keyboardist Ray Pazikowski, percussionist Ciro Baptista, and bassist Desmond Douglas in Pittsburgh, Washington, D.C., and over two nights at Radio City Music Hall in New York City. The current tab tour is the group's first with Douglas on bass. He was tapped to replace co-founding bassist Tony Markellis, who passed away earlier this year. The tour has seen a few other lineup changes, as Tab has also been performing without regular saxophonist James Casey, who's undergoing treatment for colon cancer. Saxophonist Kochimea Gasolum and one-time Tab member, trombonist Jeff Cressman, also father of Tab trombonist Natalie Cressman, had been filling in for Casey. Anastasio then f- performed a few shows without a horn section after trumpeter Jennifer Hartswick tested positive for COVID-19. Trey also played a concert solo after revealing Lawton had also tested positive. All of us at Jambase wish Russ, Jennifer, and James good health and a full and speedy recovery. Now let's get to my interview with guitarist Steve Gunn, who I chatted with recently over a video call from his home in Brooklyn. We talked about his new album, Other You, which I highly recommend to anyone who hasn't heard it yet. You'll hear at the top of the interview, 
I've been a fan of Steve's for over a decade now, and it was a lot of fun to finally get to meet and talk to him. Steve told me about making the new record with Justin Tripp, who also contributed to Gunn's 2014 album, Way Out Weather. Steve told me about making the new album with Justin Tripp, who also contributed to Gunn's 2014 record, Way Out Weather. Steve described trying to create a similar environment to the one he and Justin created during the making of Way Out Weather when they were making Other You. Gunn also went into detail about working with veteran producer Rob Snaff, whose credits include Elliot Smith, Beck, and many others. The album was recorded at Rob's studio in Los Angeles over two separate sessions, and Steve explained how the surroundings influenced the sort of underlying dystopian vibe that colors Other You. Steve told the story of how Rob helped come up with the album's Other You title. He talked about employing other musicians like Juliana Barwick, Mary Lattimore, and Ryan Sawyer, and some other aspects of making the album. We also touched on his relationship with renowned folk singer-songwriter Michael Chapman, who was Gunn's mentor and friend, and who recently passed away at the age of 80. So here's my interview with Steve Gunn, which we'll lead into with a bit of the other you single, Fulton. have an email from july of 2011 from michael slabach no way that, okay that is, that was <clears throat> hipping a few of us uh to to your record um, oh cool so you've been on my radar for a long time and and i think it's really cool how you know michael's now a part of your team um yeah michael and i are like you know it's so cool because he's known me we just i remember he just reminded me like 10 years ago, he, he booked a gig for me and William Tyler at, at um, the hideout. Hideout, yeah, yeah. And I stayed at his house and we just like immediately became friends and we've been really close friends ever since. And now he's my manager. <clears throat> so it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, we get into some shit sometimes for sure, but it's it's kind of amazing that we can work it out. And it's it, a testament to our friendship that like, you know, we can like do this because it's a, it's, yeah. it's a minefield out there, as you know, probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know? mixing friendship <clears throat> and business can be tricky sometimes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, I, I know Michael, he went to high school with uh, some of my friends from college. So oh, cool. I used to, okay. I used to get CD mixes from him in the mail oh, when, when, when we lived together. That's how I first knew him. Like, uh, yeah. and, and he still is like hit me to great music <laughs> to He's this still, day. Every you day, know? every yes. day he's sending me stuff. He's such like a, yeah, he's so, he's such a deep cat in that respect, you know? Definitely. Um, and, and so now I've been listening to your new album, uh, mm-hmm. Other You, which is out now cool. on Matador Records. Um, it, it's a lovely album, man. Uh, I've, Thanks, man. I, I hope this comes out as a, as a compliment, but I've, I've noticed that over the past few days and weeks, it, it, when I haven't known what to listen to, 
I've, I've, I've gone back to it. Like it, it, and it's kind of always fit whatever mood I've been in. And, and, um, like I said, it, it, it has this loveliness to it. It's, it's, it, it, it brings me peace when I listen. That's to it. awesome, man. That's really nice to hear. That makes me feel, feel good. Cause that's, you know, really that's sort of my intention, you know, is to like, for particularly for this record, cause I felt like I was approaching that, that point And I really wanted to reflect that. And if it, it helps anyone in any way. To me, that's like the most rewarding aspect of all of this. You know, it makes, makes it worth it, you know? So thanks. You mentioned sort of having an intent, but was there, did, did you go into this project with a specific intention in mind? Was there sort of an overall theme or something that you were trying to achieve? There was, I, I really like to keep things pretty open as far as, you know, being open to, to the possibilities of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely grown as someone who accepts that and works spontaneously and, you know, just kind of does things in the moment. But with that being said, we, I definitely had a, a pretty formulated plan for this one. Uh, okay. I made, I made a record called way out weather. Gosh, I can't remember when that came out. Maybe 2014, 2014. Okay. <clears throat> And I made that with a very good friend of mine named Justin Tripp, who mm-hmm. was the was the producer. And he and I came up together in Philadelphia. And we've just like been in bands and it's just like talking about Michael. It's similar friendship where we were just we still do this every day, sending each other music and talking. Mm-hmm. And he's a musician and we just have this sort of duality with with like music. And it's like we both send each other stuff and talk about stuff. And I, we were talking <clears throat> like about two years ago and we're talking about that record way out weather and how, how it was, how we made it. And it really was our first attempt. Well, certainly mine, Justin had more experience, but in, 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 in it was our first attempt in making, thinking about a record and actually doing it um, mm-hmm. and, and having a plan and formulating this, these ideas. And we made this record in like four days and we kind of didn't really know what we were doing, but we were open to this process and we had all of our, we had many awesome friends there and we were just kind of locked in the studio. I remember it was February and it was winter and um, there was like, you know, three feet of snow outside and ice. And there's nowhere to go. And it, we cultivated this, this really cool, open feeling in the studio. And <clears throat> I don't know, it just was this really interesting flow and this amalgamation of everyone's abilities. And we weren't trying to do anything that we couldn't do and, and that kind of stuff. And we kind of conjured up this music. And, and, and for me, I've always been proud of that time and also kind of trying to get back to it i think Mm -hmm. the albums after that were and they were really interesting and fun but it was just more of like a studio time and watching the clock and session musicians and and you know just like more touring and just more pressure Mm -hmm. and justin and i talked you know about two years ago and said like man we should do something that was like what we did for that album you know we should we should um, just 
be and, and Justin knows my abilities is really well as well. So he said, like, let's start writing. And at the time I was writing songs and I started sending them to him. And he was really he was really good at at like telling me what to do and what not to do and, and giving suggestions and just keeping everything open. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit and lockdown hit and the session got kind of pushed months and months ahead. And of course I got pushed again. So I had all this time to concentrate on the demos and concentrate on the writing. And we also were talking to Rob Schnaff, who was an engineer that I'd been wanting to work with in LA forever. Mm -hmm. And by the time we finally got to Rob's, it was still during a lockdown, but it was a window where I could be in LA. And, you know, we did the whole thing. We got, the whole rigmarole. He, I don't even have to go into the details, but yeah. we had we had a we had this collective sort of hive mind to work on this album, and we had all the time in the world, and we worked on it until we kind of couldn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, basically, we we were we had this really focused concentration and this openness, and it was really what we talked about. It was what we were somehow tapped into for a way out weather, we, we kind of tapped into this kind of freeform openness with the music. And Rob, I have to say, was the perfect person to kind of, to be with, because he had all these, he's a real master at songcraft mm-hmm. and a master at just things that we couldn't see. And he also was a really good coach to me and coached me with singing and just the, the overall sort of process. And he, he was really encouraging. You know, he basically said like, you know, go in, go in there and play a lead. This is your music. Like, there's nobody else here. Like, this is your record. This is, you know, go play it. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing. And and for me, it it made me feel more confident in, in just being myself. And that's really what, particularly the title, but the record's kind of about was was just like I wanted to live in my own abilities and not and not exceed that or not try to like step out of step over that. You know, and I felt really rooted and I felt really comfortable and I feel like in music that that is very palpable and I I I certainly think that it's palpable in this album you know and I feel I feel really good about that you know had you ever worked with Rob before I hadn't no I I um got to know him a little bit I I visited his studio a couple times and we hung out and he he came to a few of my shows out there and okay. we just sort of hit it off and we have mutual friends. And I really knew I wanted to go after visiting his studio cause it really, it's super comfortable and he has amazing gear and he's <laughs> just like, he's got, yeah. And he's hilarious and you know, he just has like no ego and he's sort of seen it all, you know? And um, yeah, he's just a, an amazing person to work with. And his studio is in Los Angeles, right? It is, yeah. So, so what was it like being there? Did did being in Los Angeles did did California seep into the vibe of the record? It did, yeah. Um, I I also when I was talking to Justin, who I mentioned, he lives in LA. Oh, okay. He's been out there for about five years now, and so I was kind of going out there quite a bit and. I think the idea of making it there was for me, it was, I wanted to leave 
my home. I wanted, I've always made records like at home, like in New York and Mm -hmm. on the East coast. And I wanted to kind of get out of my kind of confines a bit. And I also just knew a lot of musicians in LA that I wanted to work with. And yeah, I just wanted a different environment. And, and I definitely feel like the record reflects that environment because I was out there so much. And, um, you know, I wasn't driving around in a convertible with the wind blowing it in my hair or anything like that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that there's certainly a, a, a dystopian sort of tone to the album. And, and that certainly was what I was experiencing there, particularly when during, during the, the COVID right. situation, you know, I wasn't seeing anyone and I was driving home really late at night and seeing the sort of how the city what the city turned into after, mm-hmm. you know, two in the morning. Desolate. Um, yeah. Desolate, but also there was a heightened homeless population and sure. there was this sort of heightened doom, I guess. And the, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sort of interested in the mixture of that sort of beauty and, and, and doom in that, in that city. To me, that's quite fascinating. And, and also, you know, just the landscape there, just to be able to drive out to the beach and, just sit for a minute before going back to work. I definitely felt a different perspective on a lot of things. And I wanted to free myself up as much as possible for this record and not, and and being somewhere different really helped to do that too. You know, was it all done in one session? No, it was two, like two bigger chunks. So the last, so, and, and each chunk, like the first, the first session was about 10 days and then the second one was three weeks. So the and, three and week how much one, time apart between the two sessions? There, there was about a few months, like about three or four months in between. Okay. Yeah. And, and what did you do during that time as it like, as it relates to the, to the album and the project? Were you, were you working on it yourself? Were you, I guess yeah. to use an analogy with sports, was it like, were you like a coach kind of going back and adjusting for the second half for the next session or were you just kind of, was it a linear process? Uh, it was pretty linear. It, it's interesting that that's an interesting question. Cause it, we did also, we did so much work beforehand because of how much time we had right. that a lot of this stuff was pretty realized before we went in. Of course we changed things along the way, but I, it was, it felt so gratifying to just know what we were doing and, and, and feel confident in that. And, and when we were all done, we really kind of set out, we, we, we were like, wow, we really did what we we talked about, you know, and I feel like we moved, we moved from one song to the next. It didn't go back. We, so when I, which to me is really great because sometimes with records, when you work on them for a couple months and you start backtracking, then that's when the web of confusion and uncertainty and doubt starts happening. Mm-hmm. And, you, and second I'm, guessing. Yeah, and then you're you, suddenly you're sink, you're looking at this project and saying, "Oh no!" It's almost like a film where you're like, "Oh Jesus, I have to go and re-edit the first half," <laughs> yeah. or maybe we should add scenes, or maybe we should. We have you know, no second act. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think then that's, that's when for me, projects start, start slipping. There's a slippery slope there, you know, right. and I, and I, and for me, I didn't 
we were we, we just kind of continued through and I and it was really awesome because we did so much work the first session and then that gave us a perspective on what what else we needed to do and um mm-hmm. the fact that we were communicating so much and I was we were sending demos back and forth um by the time I was ready to go back for the second session we we were totally ready um to to start the the new batch really and um it was really free and also i have to say because there was only a few of us there it freed us up time wise you know some of the stuff we were building the songs with a drum machine and doing all the instruments and that th- there wasn't a clock you know i think with certain sessions when you got like five people five six seven people in the studio you know some people want coffees some people you're dealing with more schedules yeah (laughs) Yeah. there's like you know some guys going to the weed store or you know there's just like all these distractions conversations as well you end up talking more and waxing poetic about what you've done in the past and i mean it's it's great fun it's like a real it's a deep hang you know but but sometimes the clock starts slipping away. And and for this one, it, it never, it never did that. And the way that we constructed the songs, I feel like we really worked on them pretty thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of the, the additional recordings from other musicians, not all of them, but it, most of it was remote. And, okay. um, which also was so cool. Cause I, you know, I asked like, for instance, Jeff Parker and, and Bill McKay, and, and, and Julie, Juliana Barwick, I, we just said, like, here's here's a bulk of the record. Check it out. Um, and if you hear something, oh wow, just try it, you know. And maybe we gave them one or two songs that we thought maybe it would work. Mm-hmm. But it was this very open-ended sort of thing. And this all this amazing stuff came back to us to use. So, it, again, it wasn't – we weren't eating up our own time with realizing the album, you know. Um, so who was in the studio with you? So it was me, Justin Tripp, uh, Rob Schnaff, and his assistant, Matt Schusler. So it was four of us the whole time. Okay. Really? Yeah. So were the, so the drums were tracked separately then? No, no, the drums. So I, my, my friend Ryan Sawyer plays drums. Who's one of right. my favorite drummers. He's, he's incredible. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he, he, he's mind blowing. And he and I were hanging out in New York during lockdown and he was, he had uh, access to a venue and had his drums set up and played every day for hours and hours and brought some people in to do collaborative playing, just more improvised stuff. Mm-hmm. And I did that a few times with him. And I was just like, dude, like, I have to have you on this album, you know? Yeah. And he was willing to come out there and he, and he came out there at the very end, the last like four days um, of us tracking and he had the, he had the album, you know, we sent him the songs and he was listening to them for a while and he came in with and just played through the music. And it was, it's so funny because Rob, Rob was like, you're, you're bringing your friend here from New York. And meanwhile, I know like 10 drummers who live like, 10 minutes drive from the studio who could come in here and kill it. Like, 
Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. Like we, I really need Ryan to come and do this, you know, kill it in a very specific way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, you'll see, you'll see, you know, cause I knew he would totally swing and like elevate the music. And I trust, and I really trusted that. And Ryan showed up and, and like Rob set up the drums and also Rob's very, he's like very, very good at recording drums. So it was this mutual thing. Like Ryan was psyched and, and then Rob, started playing or I mean, so Ryan, Ryan started like, we were just warming up and like, mm-hmm. and, and Rob had all the mics set up and he comes back in the control room. He's like, Oh, okay. I get it now. Like, <laughs> all right. That's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, they both had a lot of fun cause Rob was like really into his drumming and, and it's, and it's totally worked. Like he completely elevated the music and there was one thing we tracked live, but most of it was, was him just coming in at the end. So, You've, yeah. you mentioned a couple of times the having time at Rob's studio and, and having that kind of been different than past recording. Did you know that was going to be the situation ahead of time? I mean, like, I assume so, but like there was, there wasn't going to be sort of a time limit on, on, on your sessions with Rob. Is, is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, there was a time limit, but Originally, you know, booking the studio. Originally, it was like, okay, I was I was thinking in terms of a band. So it's like, mm-hmm. let's do this and try to try to like just max out all the time and all the people. And, and then when when we realized we weren't going to work with anyone like things, the situation kind of changed. And then it freed me up because I'm when it's doing it, when I'm kind of tethered to that situation when there's a band, when there's five people. So it's like. I felt, I felt tethered to that. You know, I was like, okay, well I'm doing a tour out there on the West coast with Cass McCombs. And, and, and that of course got canceled, but I was like, okay, I'll have my band out there. And after the tour, we'll be ready to, to spend five days with Rob and like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like trying to think in terms of, of, a, of, of a group. Mm-hmm. And then when that all sort of crumbled, I, I changed. And I'm, I'm actually in retrospect, I'm really, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm happy that that happened, but it was, and I'm glad I experienced this other way of working. Um, But it changed the way that we could do the session where we could do a little more time. We could take our time and kind of fully realize the record in that respect. So I think it gave us, it definitely gave us more time. And the last, the last one, the last session, which was, which was a long time, three weeks, um, it was just, we just worked the whole time. I mean, we took the weekends off, but we kind of just knew when it, we, we knew how much time we needed and we weren't, we weren't like stumbling to the finish line per se. We had, by the time it was done, we were starting to mix and mm-hmm. it was like, it was, we were like just adding, there was a couple of people that came in at the end, like Ryan and Mary Lattimore brought her harp in. That was the first time she had really left her house. Oh, cool. And, um, this so she came into the studio? She did, yeah. Oh, we that's did the, cool. We did this song, Sugar Kiss, with her. Um, she came in for the day, and we just sort of hung out and jammed. And that's that's kind of what, what came out of it. It's a super um, beautiful tune. Right? Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, Thank you. A, uh, it, it, and it sets up that last song on the record, too, so nicely. It, 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 yeah. Again, it, it gives sort of... It adds to the overall feel of the album. Mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. I, I think Ryan's drumming helps 
give that overall feel. There's a, there's like I, I said, I mean, it's that vibe that I keep going back to. I think that that mm-hmm. peaceful vibe that I get from it. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks. Man. I mean, that was the intention. And it's interesting because I, I had this song that I did, that I found, you know, Justin and I were trading music so much. And I, and I, I really liked the band Tangerine Dream, especially, mm-hmm. particularly their older stuff. And I found this soundtrack of theirs and I found this one song of theirs. And it's like this three minute track from this really strange uh, soundtrack. And um, it has 12 string and like synths and it's super beautiful. And it's like, we got to do like a 12th string synth harp. Yeah. And we just basically hung out. Rob set all the synthesizers up. We put Mary in the in the recording room. I was in the control room with my 12 string and we just like started playing. And like, that's kind of what, it just was like, by the end of the night, we're like, okay. <laughs> so it was good. pretty much improvised? Yeah, yeah. That's Justin, cool. Justin actually, I have to give him credit because he, he like made a loop of Mary's harp. Like oh, that okay. essentially is kind of a loop. And he was like, oh, okay, like loop that. And then like, let's build on that. And I was playing along with her, but then we looped her harp and like they added all the synth stuff. So um, yeah, just like it was improvised. We were just like, just play. Let's just hang out and play. Yeah. to improvise quite a bit in in concert um did you do that much in the studio for this was there was was improvisation part of making this album at all besides besides what you just described uh it was a little it was a little more like it was a very pretty structured i think um yeah it sounds like you had fairly developed demo sorry to interrupt but like no no no, that's okay you you did have you so you you had demoed these songs pretty much and did you have all the songs that ended up on the album were they all sort of demoed ahead of time as well yeah yeah it it was interesting like this was the most demoed thing that i've done and i think i think it actually i learned a lesson where it was like i took the time and i did a lot i did a lot more work this time you had the time uh, right (laughs) i had the time yeah i have a little studio here in my apartment yeah. And, you know, I have my little classical guitar. I'd go up on the roof every morning and oh, sick. and go to my rehearsal space. And that's all I did, man. I, I basically, it's, I basically recorded, we made a record, you know, like mm-hmm. with the demos, we were like, we had a sequence, we had, we had like everything done, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And, and so you're not the first musician that I've interviewed who has, who has told me that they've done essentially that same thing during the pandemic. It was like, normally (laughs) I just show up to the studio with some rough sketches, but this time I I basically recorded it myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and And, I also joke that a musician over the past year and a half, everybody's become a great engineer. (laughs) You know, they've, everybody's learned how to record themselves. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I wouldn't call myself great, but I, I definitely stepped up better. <laughs> I got some better microphones, you know, and some preamps and stuff. It's funny because you definitely obviously like shop a little more and I was on reverb like, okay, I, I, I'm glad that I didn't, <laughs> you know, I purchased things that I needed, but I definitely went down a rabbit hole looking at gear. You Stimulus know. check comes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. gone. I had already mapped that out before it arrived. So um, you, you mentioned before the the other you is became the title track, and and there's the story that you were you were uh, rec- tracking vocals and, and harmonizing with yourself, and I believe it was Rob that told you to to sing to the other you. Yeah. Um, when when did that happen? Like at what point in the in the in the project did that happen? Um, I think it happened. There's a this song called "Ever Feel That Way." Um, there's this break in it where I kind of, it's, it's something I've never done before, but I do this sort of just vocal harmony thing and, um, in the middle and there wasn't, there was like a missing harmony that Rob was hearing and he, and he basically was like, sing, okay. Cause I was stacking, I was stacking the notes and I could do it, you know, it was like, and I, I was like singing really high, which I, I hadn't really like stretched my voice to that before. And Justin was like, damn, dude, I didn't know you could like sing that high. You know, I was like, I didn't know that either. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I just felt really open, but, but there, but with that one, there was this one note and this was sort of towards the end, you know, I was thinking about titles of the record and I hadn't really landed on one yet. And, um, it was really, it was really pretty late. You know, and uh, trying to do this finish this harmony, and and I just could not for the for the life of me. Sometimes I'm blocked, like I just can't do a certain note, or you know, I just can't hear it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm I have a rudimentary sort of knowledge of the piano, so I'm like, and and harmony as well. So I, I just like I'm like kind of hovering in my natural abilities. Mm-hmm. And there was this one note and Rob's like, okay, do you hear that? Like, bah. he was like even singing. He'd come out and like play on the piano, like ding, 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 ding. You hear this one? And I'd be like, okay, I got it. I got it. And then he would let me go. And I was like, oh, I can't, I, I just couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do it. And, um, so he, he said, okay, hold on a second. So he had this, he's a genius, of course. So he had this computer program that he could, you know, load the note in and use my voice to sing it back to me. So here I am in the studio and he's playing this robotic voice of myself back to me and I'm singing along with it. And I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. He's like, I'll leave it in. He's like, I'll leave it in to just sing with yourself. Like sing to the other you. And I said, okay, okay. And I like wrote that down in my notebook and I just knew it. I was like, I knew that was going to be the title of the record because it was funny, but it also was pretty serious. And it, mm-hmm. it also made, it just wrapped up everything that was going on outside of the studio and inside the studio, personal 
and and you know what I'm what I was offering with this album and it just clicked you know um, so I knew that that was going to be the title song other you come after that it did actually oddly enough it, it yeah i added so i came added up with the, the, t- the opening title track last <laughs> well the, the song had already kind of been recorded but then i the beginning starts i added the, like the beginning didn't really okay. have a didn't have like a vocal thing uh-huh. and so <clears throat> it was all sort of done I knew we had to go back and like add stuff and said, okay, like I figured this thing out and I want to call the song other you and I want it to be the first track. And I had this other introduction thing that I want to do to it. So I just did like the, the other you part in the beginning uh, to introduce the song. <laughs> That's great. That's yeah. cool. How it came. It came back. Yeah. yeah, it, came, yeah. it came all the way back. Yeah. mentioned the the tangerine dream song were there other musical or other sort of influences that you were drawing on when you were when you're thinking about the record or or actually making the record yeah again like justin and i were trading a lot of music back and forth and Mm -hmm. we even created sort of like a playlist of like eight hours at that point it got so so huge i would like to hear that Okay, I'll send it to you. Um, <laughs> and it's just stuff, you know, it's a continuing conversation that we've had since we've known each other is where we're like, check this out, like, check this out. Listen to how this is recorded. I really like the way the drums sound on this, or I really like the vocals or the ornamentation or any, anything really, or the vibe or whatever. <laughs> and um, yeah, we treated a lot of music and... I don't know. I was thinking a lot about, there's also, we were trading stuff that you wouldn't necessarily recognize in in the record. I think that one, one intention of us trying to kind of uh, come up with a sound was we didn't want it to sound retro. You know, we wanted to kind of give it a more modern sound and it almost like, I, like I I have to say, like I I have trouble with the term Americana. Mm-hmm. And and kind of like I'm trying to 
sort of get away from that term maybe a yeah. little bit and, and that sound. And um, I mean, I no disrespect to anybody who's doing that, but I, I felt like I've, I've been, I've been falling into certain categories of that at times. And I kind of just, I have other aspirations and, and other influences. Right. And um, we were listening to a lot of ECM records and more, okay. more kind of progressive stuff and a lot of King Crimson <laughs> more nice. proggy elements yeah. and and jazz and you know Justin he's he's a he's a whiz with synthesizers and electronic music so we were trading a lot of that and just sort of general songwriting and 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 processes of songwriting I really love Robert Wyatt he's one of my favorite okay. songwriters and I think he has this real sort of openness and play playfulness with language definitely and it almost has this free associative way of of creating an image with with words and to me that's really beautiful and yeah. i also think his music has this there's this underlying joy with a combination of sorrow mm-hmm. as well and and to me that that's that combination is really beautiful and i and that's a combination that i try to kind of incorporate with the music and, and particularly with this music sounding a little more brighter that was very intentional um, but I also, you know, I'm, I'm talking about a lot of sort of, um, ang- ang- anxieties and, and sort of, you know, just worrisome subjects, but trying to kind of contemplate them in a positive way. You know? Balance, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really, I was listening to a lot of music that, that did that, you know, um, that has a, that has sort of, you know, a brightness, but, but a darkness at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a mel- uh, an underlying melancholy, but, the, but, but still doesn't, doesn't bring you down too much. Um, yeah. And again, I'll get back to Los Angeles is where you're, you know, you're sitting there looking at the most beautiful flower in the world. And then meanwhile, there's somebody like taking a piss on the street, like three feet away from you. It's like, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. The juxtaposition. <laughs> the yeah, juxtaposition. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, 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 we can get going here in a minute, but I, I did want to mention another one of your influences. Um, Michael Chapman recently passed away. I'm sorry. Uh, my yeah. condolences. Thank I know, you. I know that you had worked together. Um, what, can you, can you tell me about your relationship with him? Sure. Um, do you have another hour? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. Just, I know, man. No, no, no. I, I just love Michael. I, I don't mean, I, and I mean, I don't mean to, um, no, no, yeah, no. Squeeze him in either. You know, oh, no, he, did, no, no, he definitely deserves a, a, a full hour of his own, I, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, of course. Um, and I appreciate you asking. But I, I also just, I just love the man so much. And he was a very special friend to me. And uh, I'm super, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's sad. He, he lived a full life and he, right. he made a, he, to me, I think he, he exited this world in, in, in his own way. And I think that, that he, that, that he left us in a very dignified manner. He's a, he was a very independent and strong person. And I don't think he would have been very happy with trying to kind of hold on to his life in, in a way where he couldn't be himself and he had to be helped up the stairs and, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, right. So the fact, it gives me comfort to know that he, he split in a very fast and, and, and unpainful kind of way, you know, and, and now his music, I've been listening to his music all week and it's, you know, when, when someone passes, 
their music holds a different resonance and a different yes. sort of weight to it. And yes. I think Michael was singing about a, particularly late in his life. And I'm really gracious that I was able to, I'm really grateful that I was able to work on his last records. Cause I think he was singing a lot about his fears of dying and, and, but also his past. And he also was such a present person and, I don't know his whole sort of trajectory in life is is super inspiring to me and the fact that he just pursued his his love of music through through a lot of challenges um you know and and he he had his ups and downs for sure but it always was about the music and um i met him i don't know a long time ago uh probably about 15 years ago and and he he was friends with Jack Rose, the guitar player, and Jack right. Rose unfortunately passed young. And mm-hmm. Michael and 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 Jack seemed to have a very special sort of friendship. And Jack meant a lot to me. And I met Michael th- through that through that experience, and we became fast friends. And um, there was almost this sort of tradition. I'd say like you could even call it a folk tradition, where we were all uh, Jack was influencing me so much, and I met. One of Jack, one of Jack's heroes, Michael, and they had a symbiotic relationship, and and then Michael and I kind kind of formed this special friendship, and it really influenced me, and I felt like that was a really important aspect of my musical life was to to learn from Michael, and I certainly did, and he was very just open and and very just you know he was very gracious and. Like he gave up so much of himself and stories and um, I, I really value that. And we spent, a, you know, we played a lot of shows together and mm-hmm. he was very, very encouraging to me and hilarious and like to stay up late and and talk. And to me, that was really, you know, these these nights of us staying up till three, four in the morning. Were, were pretty magical. You Treasure know? those forever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He seemed like a very, uh, a beautiful man who made beautiful music. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really what it came, comes down to. Well, again, my condolences, Steve. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, man. Well, man, um, thank you for chatting with me today. Yeah, um, of course. My like pleasure, I said, man. I love the record, Other You. It's out now. Everybody out there listening should definitely listen to it. Um, make sure you send me that playlist. Yeah, well, I'll send it to oh, you right. after. I'll send it. I'll send you a. a it's long, but I'll send That's, it. To I you. like long. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Me too. It's good to finally right. meet you. Um, yeah, hopefully, you we get to see each other in person someday soon. Actually, you're coming to Minneapolis in December. I am. Yeah, with Jeff with, Parker. With Jeff Parker, I'm. Re- oh man, talk about a great guitarist. Great oh, dude, album. One of my one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm psyched so for that. I am stoked for that show. So I'll see you yeah. in a few months, man. All right, man. Yeah. Awesome. Stay safe until then. All right. All right. You too, man. Take care. Cheers. Later. Strangers can the strangers
thanks to all of you out there for listening to episode 98 of the Jam Bass Podcast. My many thanks to Steve Gunn for taking the time to talk. If you haven't yet, be sure to check out his excellent new album, Other You, wherever you find good music. Thanks as always to Jake Alexander for help producing the episode. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, take care of each other and safely go see live music.